Welcome to episode number 249. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about reducing disposable waste. And honestly, we had had this episode planned way before everything that started to transpire with the coronavirus and there has been shortages of course of toilet paper Um, people including myself here in washington state are on lockdown so we can still go to grocery stores but stock is not always um, there sometimes things are out so i feel like even though this episode had been planned it came at a really good time when a lot of us may need to use this information even more than normal. So I hope that you really enjoy it. We're gonna be talking about things beyond just what you can use to replace toilet paper and paper towels, but really talking about reducing our disposable waste in a household, which right now it's important anytime, but really important right now. I think that you're gonna get a lot of great tips on this because we talk about food storage as well. And also how to handle it when maybe family members aren't on board as much as you are. Though I think in this time we have family members who may have not been on board with all these different homesteading um, adventures and skill sets and things that we've been wanting to do. All of a sudden, it's looking better and better to become more self-sufficient, have more of a control over your food supply, growing more, preserving more, having a fully stocked larder of staple ingredients so that you can cook things from scratch, etc. So call me Pollyanna, but I always like to find the silver lining. And I think that there's going to be a lot of silver lining opportunities and moments within the days to come. So I hope that you really enjoy this episode. And for show notes, because we're going to be talking about a lot of things where you can go and, and get further resources and further instructions deeper than what we have in the episode, you're going to find all of that at melissaknorris.com forward slash 249. And because this is episode 249, so it's just the just the numbers, 249, melissaknorris.com forward slash 249, you can get all of the information that we're going to be talking about. And I'm saying we because I definitely have a guest on today. I'm excited to have on Chris Bordessa. Now, many of you may be familiar with her website. She has a pretty big website. She's got some great articles. And Chris is from Attainable Sustainable. And we get into it into the episode, so I don't want to give too much of away. But Chris is very much into self-reliant living and community focus. She started almost the same time I did back in 2011, where she was sharing a lot of this online. And she grew up in Northern California, second generation 4-H member, which I love. I was a 4-H member as well. So all the kids who were in 4-H, like high five, raise your hand right now. Um, But what's interesting is she moved to Hawaii and they lived in Hawaii for quite a while. But when you're living on an island, you even have less things available to you, especially if shipments can't come in which we're experiencing now here in the U.S. and honestly across the globe, it's not just the U.S. So Chris has been really practicing this self-sufficiency and not using single-use waste items for a long time. So she gives a lot of great practical tips and advice. And this is coming from someone who has been practicing this for a really long time. So I think you're really going to enjoy today's episode and hang out with me until the end because I'm going to have some additional things to share with you as we wrap up the episode. 
Guys, I am super excited for today's guest. We have kind of ran in the same circles and worked on different projects here and there together, but we've not actually got to formally meet, even though this is digital. Uh, we still got to talk with one another before we started hitting record. And so I'm super excited to introduce you to Chris. So Chris, welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And yeah, I'm, I'm super thrilled to be able to finally talk to you in person. Yeah, same here. So for those who may not be familiar with you, though, I'm sure a lot of my listeners are familiar with you and your website, Attainable Sustainable, uh, just give us a little bit of background on where you're located and the Attainable Sustainable, how you, how you kind of stumbled across that and your homestead. Yeah. Um, Although I, I have to say right off the bat, I hesitate to call myself a homestead. I feel like I, I'm kind of like on the border of that um, that description. But I do have um, a place where we, you know, we raise our chickens and, and garden and grow a lot of our own food. I am located on the island of Hawaii. And um, I started my Attainable Sustainable website um, back in 2011-ish. So, um, you know, almost 10 years ago. And, and the reason I started it is because I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and we were talking about, especially being on an island, we, all of our, well, I shouldn't say all because it's not all, but 80% of our stuff, our food, our things that we need is barged in. It, it comes from elsewhere. And we were having this conversation about what we could do just you know, a step a day to start taking more more control of uh, of our needs, as it were. And one of those things was food. And I was talking with her about starting a garden. She had plenty of space and, and could start a garden, but she didn't have any knowledge. And as I was talking with her and, you know, kind of telling her some of the things that would be easy for her to grow, it came to light <laughs> That she didn't know that radishes grew underground, and and I thought, you know, oh, oh my goodness, how can somebody not know that or not realize that? And and it was kind of a light bulb moment for me that even though I'm not necessarily an expert, I don't I don't consider myself an expert. Um, I had a lot of knowledge that other people obviously did not have, so I kind of. You know, that was the impetus for starting the website. I thought, if I've got this knowledge, this experience from growing food um, through my, you know, childhood and, and my whole adult life, I have more knowledge than a lot of other people do, and I can share that with them. So that was that was the reason for starting the website in the first place. And um, And, yeah, so here we are. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I love that because I'm right there with you. I honestly, um, and some of my listeners have heard part of this story before, but I'm with you because until I was in high school, I honestly thought, I thought everybody grew some type of a summer vegetable garden. And I thought that all moms cooked most of the meals, you know, from scratch and that all families did some amount of canning and preserving their own food, even if it's just jam and jelly and, and things like that. I honestly didn't realize that I had a lot of knowledge until I got out. Uh, and I don't want to say I was raised shelteredly, but I just assumed that that's, you know, I think as a child, you assume most people live like you do. Um, right. It's just a natural thing. But I'm with you. Like, I didn't realize how much knowledge I had on that subject in particular. 
until I started, you know, getting out there and meeting and talking with more and more people and realizing that like you and I raising a lot of our own food and living this lifestyle, which I completely consider you a homesteader. I mean, I think you can homestead no matter where you are. It's, it's a state of mind first. And then those actions follow suit, suit and we're all at, at different places. But um, I think if you're producing any amount of your own food um, and working to be self-sufficient, then you're definitely a homesteader. So you totally fall in there. Um, <laughs> So don't, don't cut yourself short there. I think, I think you're a homesteader completely. What I think is really interesting though, is because you live on an Island and like you were saying, you guys were having to, things are being barged in. That's how you get a lot of your supplies that it really made you, made you think about and, and reconsider some things. And right now at the time of this recording, we are moving into having supply shortages, even though America doesn't, I mean, America as a whole is an Island, but not like you are. Um, and we're experiencing not being able to get things at the grocery store or at the stores that we are normally used to getting, like one-time use items like paper towels, like toilet paper. And um, those are, for the most part, going to be single use, let's be real. So I <laughs> love that. Right. I know. I'm like, how do I delicately say this? Um, <laughs> um, but so I think this is great because you've had a lot of experience prior to this situation where some of us, even myself included, like I, we buy toilet paper and I do buy paper towels. I have regular dish towels and cloth napkins and it had even purchased some um, old fashioned hankies and clean to use in place of Kleenex before this happened. But there are definitely single use items that we have in our home. And now I just told my kids today, my son reached for a paper towel and I said, no, 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 no. I said, you need to use just a regular hand towel. Like we actually, we need to start, um, one, finding different things, but we, we also have to regulate how much we're using and be a little bit more cautious of not just grabbing these things. So talk to me about the idea for those of us who are now experiencing this, but I think it's a good, I think a lot of good's going to come out of it because I think it's going to open up a lot of our eyes and we're going to be able to make steps um, and ways to make this better long-term. But the idea of like the single use waste and some good substitutes that we can do um, at home rather than continuing to buy. And now we don't even have the option in some instances for those items. Right. Um, and I think you're right. I think that, that ultimately this is going to end up, I don't know, maybe helping people break some of those habits like the paper towel habit or, you know, some of the things that we buy in, uh, ready-made and plastic containers. You know, I do. Th I do think that it's going to really kind of open some eyes. Um, yeah, paper towels. I don't use paper towels. I haven't had paper towels. You know, in my house for years and years. That's you know, for us, that's an easy one to to replace. I will take old T-shirts and cut them into squares and just have you know use those for wiping things up. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, you know, other other things. Well, I have to, I have to touch on the, the toilet paper issue because yes, please do. Big thing. I actually, I actually, I mean, everybody's panicking about the toilet paper, right? And to me, yeah. if I've got if I've got money to go, you know, help my pa my family be prepared, I'm going to spend that on food. I'm not going to spend it on toilet paper. There are so many alternatives to toilet paper. Amen. I actually, my 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 family's laughing at me, but I actually wrote a post on my site last week about this so that people could, you know. This is, these are all the things you can do. And, you know, they're not even, some of them aren't even really archaic. They're civilized alternatives. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't get that. Um, but, 
you know, so, some of them, you know, really needed to be planned for as far as the, the toilet paper replacement, you, you know, installing of the day seat and such, which I understand is also selling out right now. Um, but, the, you know, there are alternatives. Go, go take, your, take your money and, and buy some food for that. Yeah, I'm with you. The food makes a lot more sense to me than the toilet paper. And growing up a country girl and quite rurally, like honestly, there was lots of times when you're out in the woods or you're out on the back. My dad has always raised a lot of cattle and I would go with him to fix fence. And so literally when I say the back 40, I mean the back 40. <laughs> and, you know, you would be out, there is no bathroom and, and you know, there you, you got to go. And so there are a lot of leaves that you can use. I'm be right. cognizant of what the leaf is you're choosing. It's a delicate area, but right. it works. It works really well. Uh, you know, it, and no, it's not ideal. And I realize if you live in the middle of the city, that that's probably not an option for you. But um, my dad grew up with an outhouse. In fact, the outhouse is still there and they didn't always have toilet paper either, but they would save. So if you've got magazines, I know a lot of us have some old magazines, go through and pull out the ads, keep the articles you want to keep. Um, and that's what they used for toilet paper. They would just literally take the different catalogs and stack them out of the outhouse. And mm -hmm. that's what they used for number two. So because we've talked about it, though, I, I think um, I'd love some of your suggestions. The bidet is one. And yes, I've seen that those are selling out online as well um, that people could use. And I also wanted to ask you when you're using, because one of the, the things about the paper towels is um, I would be fine not using them, but other members in my household really like them. <laughs> so um, how do you like when you're doing with do you just keep a bucket with like some water and a little bit of non-chlorine bleach? I only use hydrogen peroxide based bleach for like really messy jobs or do you just use it and then immediately put it in the washing machine for when you do the next load? But like when it's, you know, kind of nasty, icky stuff um, rather than just drying something off, how do you go about using the t-shirts that you've cut up for the paper towels? Well, <clears throat> as you say, it kind of depends on what it is. If it's something really yucky, um, I honestly will just scoop it up and throw it away. You know, if I'm cleaning up cat vomit or something that you would use paper towels for, mm -hmm. you know, it, it can just go in the trash. They're, they're upcycled t-shirt rags already. So I'm not going to be super concerned about that I've lost a rag in that case. Um, but yeah, the, the rest of them, if I'm just wiping something up off the counter um, or like you say, kids drying hands, I, I've seen households that, that use, um, paper towels. Oh, I've washed my hands and I'm going to use a paper towel to dry. You know, that's what dish towels are for. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I just wipe it and, and it goes straight into the laundry. I don't have any special setup really, as far as that goes. Okay. Um, now you could also use those if somebody was really, uh, really wanting to have a more ready to go, easy, easy to grab wipe. I, I know a lot of people will use wipes in their home too. You know, that's also something that can be made ahead of time. I don't bother with that, really. Uh, I, I just, you know, I'll wet it if I need a wet one. I don't, I don't have a problem wetting it. But um, I actually, there is a, a recipe for having those ready-made for people who prefer those ready-made in my book. Okay. I love that. I don't use the wipes either. So I'm with you. If I need it wet, I'm just going to wet it or spray it with, with something if I feel like it needs a, a disinfectant property. Um, but for 
the going back, backtracking for toilet paper options, especially for people who don't, <laughs> don't live as rurally and don't have leaves at their disposal like I do. Um, do you have any other, um, like, do you have any tips for doing family cloth? I'm familiar with family cloth, what it is. I personally, we have not implemented it at our home. So just kind of curious if you've got some tips to share there for those who are either not able to get toilet paper or like, hey, I want to make the switch and I don't want to be using any of these single use items anymore um, beyond the catalog suggestion and of course leaves. Right, right. And, and family cloth is, I, I think that's the one that's probably going to be easiest for, for people to implement right now. Um, and let me tell you, if I had imagined myself two weeks ago sitting around talking about toilet paper <laughs> for a half an hour, uh, <laughs> but it's important stuff. It, you know, clearly it's important stuff. But the, I will tell you, we have a bidet. We installed a bidet toilet seat, very super easy to install, um, and, and that's what we have. But for people okay. who don't you know, have access to that, the family cloth is another option. <clears throat> and you know, I think the, I, I've had a lot, of people, a lot of people respond to that post that I wrote, just you know, very grossed out about the whole thing, like they would never dream of doing that. And I just think that's fine. You know, it's, it's too much now, but what happens when you do really run out of toilet paper? You're going to want to know this. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it's, it's, you know, uh, squares of old t-shirts torn into pieces. You're not using your nice cloth. It's, this is something specific. I have seen people talk about having specific colors for different family members so that you're not, you know, cross-contaminating oh. the, the stream, right? Okay. Got it. So that, you Got know, it. If, if you know yeah. that yours are pink, you always are the pink person and those are, you know, those are yours which, you know, that, that could make me feel a little bit better about using it, I think. Um, so, you know, you, you essentially, we were a cloth diapering family. Um, so, you know, it's essentially like, like cloth diapering to a point that when you've used the wipes, you need some place to put them. And, you know, some kind of small container that has a lid so they can be put away. Um, and then, yeah, you need that, you're gonna need a launder uh, every day or two in hot, hot water. Um, not to get too overly detailed, but when people are are using it just to dry themselves for number one, it's usually a dry cloth. A wet cloth might be better for number two. Got it. Yes. <laughs> and I know, you know, you know yeah. more than you bargained for here today. Not really. I like. I'm. I'm fine talking. <laughs> this sound weird. I'm fine talking about bowel movements, but um, <laughs> you know, I. Let me put it this way. I worked in pharmacy for 18 and a half years and um, people would come over from the doctor's office and want to physically show you what they had went for the doctor for. I don't know why. And so there's very little that I'm actually surprised or not okay talking about. Um, so I, I'm fine with that. And, and I, the, yeah, the wet versus wet and, and with the cloth diapering, you know, um, kind of depends that as many people don't do cloth diapers as they used to. I really feel like even 20, 30 years ago, it used to be a lot more of the norm. And so knowing to have a container, like so my mom would just use a, a bucket that had a lid that you could put on there um, and would soak and it had some bleach in it. It was diluted, but so that also if it was below the water level, even still with the lid, it would help contain any type of um, smell and it kept it more sanitized as well. Right, right. Um, so there's those options. I like the idea of the different color per person. I think that's a, a great idea. I hadn't actually um, thought about that or heard that one. So I think, I think that that's really good. And um, I'm actually, we're going to look at 
we had talked about doing bidets like over a year ago and just never got on it. So I think that's mm -hmm. something that we're going to, that we're going to look at. So I think those are all really good suggestions and just kind of, kind of food for thought, you know, to keep people's the back, back of their minds. So don't get right. Right. You know, old t-shirts, man, those things can be turned into so many things from rag rugs that's to right. just rags. Like those things are really like gold. I love it. Um, and, but I do want to circle back to, um, well, I guess I'm not circling back because we didn't really bring it up yet, but we're talking about these things and my mind keeps going to the kitchen because that's where I spend a lot of my time, especially now that my kids are um, home from school, the whole state of Washington, none of the public schools are in operation. So I'm doing uh, homeschooling for the first time, which is actually going really well. We're only three days in. So I realize I'm a bit premature, um, but things are going well. But <laughs> I know all the homeschool moms are like, oh, sister, you have no clue. <laughs> and that's true. So anyhow, uh, but my kids are in the kitchen a lot more because obviously, you know, they're coming in there for all the, all the food needs are happening at home. Whereas, you know, before it was mainly on the weekends or in the evenings. So let's talk about plastic wrap and tin foil because those are things that a lot of people use in their houses. But again, these are tinfoil you can reuse and you can reuse plastic wrap to a degree, though a lot of people don't. Um, so talking about food storage, now I use a ton of mason jars and the lids, but there are some things where I will say plastic wrap and tinfoil can be kind of handy. So talk to me about what you use in place of them or just how you function without those items. Right. I have people come to my house and, you know, go through all of my drawers like, you've got to have some somewhere. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, yeah, I use I use also the mason jars. Um, I'll, I'll use those for storing, you know, more wet ingredients, you know, leftover soup and such. Um, I have a collection of uh, lidded glass, you know, containers, so... Um, you know, reusable glass containers with a lid that'll snap on. Uh, yes. So I use those for a lot of things. And, you know, again, you're just reusing those. I have uh, beeswax wraps, which I, you know, I don't use them all the time. That's not my, my usual go-to. My go-to is either the mason jars or the reusable glass. But if I have a big bowl uh, that doesn't have a lid, I, I have made beeswax wraps that will go over those so that I can store those in the refrigerator, you know, actually in the, in the big bowl. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the other things that people will use the, the plastic, uh, plastic bags for is, um, like storing produce. And I have found, um, I have found using wet flour sack towels. Oh, wet. I wet. Dam Moist, damp. And damp? Okay. You know, I'll use those to, to take my lettuce. If I've got lettuce heads that I'm trying to store and hold, I, I wrap those in damp uh, flour sack towels and keep those in the, you know, the produce drawer in the, in the mm -hmm. refrigerator. I've also done where I just take the stuff and put it loose in those drawers, but I lay down a damp towel inside those drawers. That, that seems to help hold them a little bit. Oh, I love that. So, yeah, I don't, I don't use the, the tinfoil or the, uh, well, Tinfoil, you know, like you say, it can be, be reused. To say that I don't ever use it, it, it comes out once in a while. Like we, we had a situation um, actually last week. Uh, we butchered a wild boar, and we could not find uh, butcher paper, freezer paper, 
anywhere. But oh. nobody had it stocked. I guess nobody oh. uses this stuff anymore. So we really? ended up going okay. with tinfoil, you know, wrapped. Um, mm-hmm. We wrapped it in wax paper first and then did tinfoil. So, you know, there are, there are times that it, that it does come out. We were in a pinch for that. Uh, for the freezer paper, so we used it. But yeah, for the most part, it's it's not something that we use around here. Okay, I love it. I love the suggestion of the damp tea towels because I found, especially with things like lettuce, if I wrap them in something damp, which has oftentimes just been, honestly, was a, a damp paper towel um, and then sealed it up, that it would increase the fridge life by mm-hmm. almost a week. I mean, it would keep double at least on how long it would keep and stay good as compared to not doing that. So, but I love the idea of the towels and I've got tea towels, like, oh my, like mason jars and cast iron tea towels, I think are my main addictions because I've got so many of them. And so I, it's brilliant. I'm like, why did I never think of that before? So I love that tip. I can't wait to put that into action. Um, and the, with the tinfoil, yeah, you, you can reuse it. And I try not to use it with cooking, um, like where it's, you know, in the oven just because of, of different various studies and people fall both ways on that or whether or not they think it, it's harmful or not. But I'm trying to, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but how do you handle it when not every family member is on the same page with you on wanting to do the waste reduction? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is my household. How do I handle it? Um, I I have um, one son who is really on board with me, and another son who actually does not live with me any longer. But uh, I mean, he's an adult. He, he, you know, not not so much interested in it. And um, my my husband is a man of habit, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the things that he usually gets are the things that he usually gets. And the, I mean, the the way I've handled it is, you know, just to try to be patient and to educate. And I will tell you what, over the, you know, it's been, it's been years over the course of years. Again, these are slow, steady steps, but he has, you know, made the shift and he's becoming more aware of the plastic that, that he's bringing home and, and, and realizing that it's a problem. Um, we recently have had uh, a, a, a shut, it's not a complete shutdown, but a shutdown of our recycling here so that a lot of the things that we were able to recycle no longer can be recycled. They're just going to the trash. So, you know, mm-hmm. knowing that, that definitely did impact, you know, I really probably should pay attention to this. So there was that, that, you know, did help. But, you know, I just mostly kept saying, you know, you can get this in glass. You know, oh, you know, we can make that at home instead of, and, and I will tell you, one of the things we started making at home is sour cream. And not only are we making it home and we no longer have these plastic containers, but my husband is making this at home. He's uh-huh. I like it. Yeah. 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 So it's, you know, the recipe, he, you know, a little bit finicky about it. it's got to taste just like the, the thing that he's used to at the store. Um, but the recipe is good. He likes it. And it's so easy that he's like, you know, okay, I can do this. So it's just, it's little, it's little bits. It's educating. It's being patient and, um, you know, just showing that it can, it, and it's breaking habits, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's just making them aware that it's a habit that could be broken. Yeah, I love that. And I'm giggling because, <laughs> like you said, it, it's the habit. It's what you're used to. And if you don't personally feel the motivation, to change said habit, 
it's just because mm-hmm. somebody is nagging at you or wants to make the decision for you. Rarely does it go well. At least I'm learning that in my house. You'd, I've been married 20 years. You'd think I'd have learned it a lot sooner. Apparently I'm slow. But <laughs> so I would do like just gently making the suggestion every now and then. Um, but it's really funny but I'm glad we're bringing this up because I feel like this is really the case in a lot of households and maybe it's not your husband, you know, it could be the reversal or it could be, you know, an older, a child, an older child. I think it's easier when the kids are younger because they don't really have a say. You just do it. Um, but like, right, and you're instilling those habits in the young kids. Yes. And so it's just kind of a natural thing. But um, <laughs> so like, I'm really adamant on our laundry detergent and not using scented fabric softeners. And mm-hmm. so that's like a big deal for me. In fact, I honestly, if someone uses a lot of fabric softener with a really heavy scent in it, and then uh, both in like the scented laundry detergent, and then again with a fabric softener and a dryer, it will give me a headache if I'm in really close confines with that person. And it's really strong, Just not exaggerating. Like yeah. it, it really does give me a headache. And my husband loves, <laughs> he loves the scent. Of, of the synthetic fake scented laundry detergent and that. And so I refuse to buy it. I'm like, I just, I just dug in my heels and I'm like, I am, I can't use it. I'm not using it on my clothes. I'm not buying it. And I did this thinking that if I do this, then I'm eliminating it from my house. Well, no, <laughs> he bought his own bottle, but you know what? He does his own laundry now. <laughs> If he wants it washed to that, he does his own laundry. So when you were talking about he makes his own, your husband makes his own sour cream. Yeah. And so, you know, and so I could try and throw a big fit and everything like that. But I'm like, nope. You know, I'm like, he's doing it himself. I can't make the decision for him. And if he feels that strongly about it, that that's what he wants for his clothes, you know, like it's silly for me to try to fight it to that degree, but he does have to do his own laundry. And he, he knows he doesn't put, any of my clothes in with him because he knows I don't want that on my, like he's respectful that way. Um, and I, I wish that it was the opposite that he was coming over to my side, but he's doing his own laundry now. So I share that just because if, if anybody's in the same boat as me, like there are some things that I've just picked my battle and just kind of right. let it slide and still try to still try to influence where I can, but I'm not going to beat my head against the wall. Um, but he does make his own kimchi and that's, of course, in our mason jars and everything like that. So I, I feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like, like you said, you just kind of are picking the thing and then over time, um, slowly trying to replace those items. So I feel like it's a journey. Um, some of our journey may be a lot faster on this particular road in the next few months than it would have been without it. But just to, oh, just to remember, just to remember that, that it, that it is a journey. And so I feel sometimes if you are used to using a lot of these items, and if you were to just say, all of a sudden, we're not using any of these anymore, expect some pushback, unless it's, of course, because you actually can't get it, even if you wanted to. Right, right. But in a normal situation, I mean, we're kind of in a, in a crazy situation right now where, where people yeah. are having to, to, you know, make choices. But in a normal situation, yeah, I, I feel very much like it's just a matter of, you know, like you say, small steps, small steps. You know, my husband has gotten here. Um, over the course of a lot of years of, of me doing things homemade or me doing things a certain way. And of course, you know what? I, I probably have habits too that, um, that could be broken. I can't think of any right now. <laughs> but <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Yeah. We, we, all yes. ha- we all have our habits. Definitely. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm by no means perfect. So if my husband ever were to listen to this, he could 
list you a long line and litany of things that I should change as well. So please, if anybody's listening, I was not right. trying to paint myself as like, uh, you know, wearing a halo or anything. I've got no, no, no. I, I don't. I don't think that at all. Wait, okay, good. All got our own, no, no, no. We've all got our own little habits of things that you know, and, and I, sometimes I'll realize I'll be doing something and think, wow, why am I doing this way? I could do it a different way that would, you know, either be healthier or have a, you know, less less waste or you know, whatever whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so it's just being aware. It, it's just having that awareness that everything that we are doing is somehow down the line making a difference. Yeah. I, but I love that we're kind of bringing up to the, I feel like we're really sh- talking about the real side of it because there's always the idealist side and then there's real life. And I think sometimes it can be easy to paint the picture of the idealist side of things. So you've been doing this for a number of years. So I know you're way ahead of the curve, even of myself. I feel in a lot of instances with this, but what are the items that present the biggest problem in your house with trying to reduce the disposable waste? Like, where do you feel like you're maybe still struggling a little bit? Um, snacks. Mm. It, you know, I mean, I, I think that's, that's what it is. We are a nation of snackers. Uh, you know, and, and snacks come in, whether it's tortilla chips or crackers or, you know, what have you, they come in packages. Yes. And, We've definitely cut a lot of that out. Uh, if, if I was to choose one item that keeps making its way into our house that, that does generate, you know, and, and it's, it's granted it's probably a small amount of waste compared to a lot of other things, but it's tortilla chips. Chips and tortillas. Chips and, and salsa are fabulous, right? I mean, who's going to argue with that? <laughs> yes, so, it's a favorite snack around here. <laughs> You know, so that just keeps keeps making its way in into our house. I, you know, I've been trying to cut back on the on the corn, so we're you know we're not having that as much. But still, there's not a way to generate that unless I'm making my own tortillas and making my own chips. There's not an easy way to replicate that snack in my house. And, yeah. And, you know, while I, I might say I feel like tortilla chips today, and I'm going to make this, and it's going to be a process, and it will be great people want that more frequently than I'm willing to go to that effort, quite honestly. Yeah, I'm with you. I've, I've, all of our salsa is homegrown and home canned, but we do buy the tortilla chips. And like you, I do make homemade tortillas and I've taken them and cut them up and fried them and tried them baked and making my own chips. But <laughs> it's a lot of work and it's, which is okay, but it's hard to match the ease of that bag and just to get that volume for the frequency that we like to have. And like I'll often do, like if we have leftover taco meat or refried beans, which again, I'm making myself, you know, it's really easy to throw that part of that bag that you've got on a cookie sheet, throw your toppings in there, put it on low broil, and you've got a pretty easy supper, you know, there on the table. And it's funny because like, same as you, a lot of our sour cream I make myself, of course, the salsa, you know, so I feel like it's a, for the most part, it's a homegrown supper, <laughs> but those chips are still right. bought. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And, and I don't know, maybe that's, that, that's um, <clears throat> a testament to the way things are right now that we've got that, um, we've got that, um, what do I want to say? Like the, the, the belief that we deserve those chips or that we should have those chips. You know, and, you know, sometimes you got to have the chips. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it, it's it's changing the changing the way we think a little bit, and and realizing that you know maybe if we really like those chips, we should 
cut back and maybe only have them once a month, and that would be less waste. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think cutting stuff out completely like that is necessary. But I think that, you know, if, if it's something that you're aware of that your household is going through bags and bags of tortilla chips, you know, it is generating a fair amount, amount of uh, plastic bag waste. So, you know, maybe maybe there's an alternative that could happen for part of that. Yeah, I like that, and I think too, if nothing else, throughout this time where we're at currently is just making us aware of things that we are doing that is just part of our, like you said, it's habit or it's just, you know, things that we've gotten used to. And it's making us think about it in ways that we probably haven't had to honestly think about it before. And whether or not that changes our habits or not, it may or it may not, but at least we're aware of it. And I think that that's a good thing. I, I agree. I, I, I agree. I think that it's that, that it is definitely going to wake people up as far as you know realizing what's that convenience item that you fall on all the time that that you fall back on all the time that you know your household has this and all of a sudden you're trying to not go to the the market. What are you going to do instead? Do you really need that? Maybe you don't really need that. Um, I think what's happening, <clears throat> actually, what I see happening at my house. Well, you know, we're pretty, we eat pretty simply anyway, but I definitely see us doing two things with this, um, I don't I, it, we don't really have a shortage of food because I did go to the supermarket the other day and, and you know, the shelves were perfectly stocked, but we're trying to stick close to home so that we're not, um, not out and about. And I, I see us doing two things. One is that everybody, even people who maybe wouldn't normally be this way, is being a little bit more cautious about food waste. You know, there's a little bit, little bit of rice left over. We're not going to throw that away. It's going to get, um, or to throw it to the chickens is what would happen here. But that's going to get saved, and it's going to go in a soup, or it's going to go someplace else. And um, we're eating more simply. You know, the the we're leaning on some of these pantry staples more so, rather than you know, we we actually eat a lot of fresh food from the uh, farmers market here. So if we're not going to the farmers market, and my garden's not producing quite yet, I've you know, small stuff, but not enough to really keep us in fresh food. So we're really leaning on the pantry for uh, for some of this stuff. Yeah, same here. In fact, <laughs> it was interesting because last night, you know, we had cooked up our supper and it was a mix of homemade refried beans and we did some taco meat. And then I was actually, I had some white cornmeal. And so instead of doing tortillas, I love doing, um, I probably am mispronouncing it, but pupas? I think is how you say it. It's from South America. Um, and it's kind of like doing an inside out um, taco, basically. But it's less work than rolling out the tortillas. And so that's why I mm-hmm. go to it quite, uh, quite frequently. Uh, so you just, you take water and cornmeal and you create like a fairly thick paste. And then you have water with a little bit of oil on top so that when you dip your hand in the water, your hands are wet, there's a little bit of oil coating them. And so I just have olive oil in a glass spray bottle that I just kind of spray. Um, and so then you, you form this ball and you just flatten it in the palm of your hand. And then you take a small amount of filling. And so I mixed um, some cheese, the homemade refried beans, and then the taco meat together. And then you bring the sides of where you flattened it out flat. And so you bring all the dough up to cover the filling. And then you pat it back out flat again, but your filling is all encased in this masa corn mm. thing. So it's kind of like a, it's not like a pita pocket. It's a little bit hard to explain, but anyways, and then you fry it up. So your, your filling is already cooked. Um, and so it's a pretty quick supper. Um, 
to do, it's one of our favorites, and then you just can use salsa and whatever toppings you want to throw on, on top of this item. Um, but there was like some of the extra, there was extra filling and there was a lot of extra stuff. And I'm like, you, I'm like, okay, I'm like, we've got to, you know, figure out how we're making this, what we're going to turn this into for tomorrow night. Not that I normally would actually throw that out, but we're really going through like the ingredients, especially the fresh stuff, fresh stuff that we've got in the fridge um, and are like, how, how can we turn this into the meals now so that we're saving the stuff that's not perishable in case we really do need it, you know, a little bit further uh -huh. down, down the road. So yeah, we're, right. I feel like we're definitely being a little bit more cognizant than we normally are, even though I feel like we're normally pretty good about that. <laughs> um, well, I'll yeah. tell you a trick that, you know, something that I do with that too, that, that, um, to help with those little bits of things, like the little bits of rice, or, you know, sometimes you make green beans and they're cooked and who, who wants, like a leftover green bean by itself, not, you know, I mean, yeah. nobody in my household. Right. No. <laughs> uh, so, so what I do with those is I, I keep them in my freezer. I keep an empty jar in my freezer and I add these little bits of things in the freezer. Uh, you have to be a little bit careful about mixing flavors like and thinking ahead, but this is going to become soup. So if I've got a quart jar in there and I throw a little bit of green beans and I throw, like if I have a, a jar of um, marinara sauce and I rinse out the, the jar, I'll put that liquid in there and, you know, leftover sauteed mushrooms or, you know, what have you, rice, pasta, it goes in there. And then, you know, when that's full, it, I can easily turn that into a soup. And I'll do the same thing with a, um, if I've got something that's more, we do, we do a lot of tacos and Mexican food. So, you know, I kind of keep those flavors in a different jar so that that could become a more Mexican flavored soup. Oh, I love that. Now I do that with like raw on odd and end things for my, I call it my broth container. And in mm -hmm. the freezer, I put, you know, the end of a carrot or the weird end of a celery or the little last bits of a, you know, the onion with part of the skin still on it. Um, but I didn't consider doing it like you're doing, like for the, I think that's a fabulous idea. I love it. Yeah. It's just a way to save some of that little scrappy stuff that, you know, it, it, it's the stuff that you put in a little container in the refrigerator and wait until it molds and then you throw away. Yeah. Yeah. You had the best of intentions, but you don't actually eat it. Right. You, yeah. you do that. Yes. So, you know, <laughs> my friend, my friend calls it memory lane soup because it includes all of these things from, you know, the past month that you've eaten. I like that. That was a fabulous tip. Thank you for sharing. Um, we've talked about so many different things. Oh my goodness. I feel like a lot of, a lot of really good and solid tips in this episode. So for people who are looking for more of these types of tips and to reduce the disposable waste in the household, be it food or obviously food isn't necessarily disposable waste, but you know, the single use items, where's the best place for people to connect with you and to find out more about how you do this and getting tips? Well, I, um, I'm online. I'm at attainablesustainable.net, and I actually have just started a forum on the site as well. That's, that's linked there. Um, so that right now when people are trying to figure out how do I do this stuff, we can, you know, help each other as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So that's something that's fairly new, and I think that in this time, people are really going to lean on that a little bit. Uh, and I also have a brand new book coming out that's launching next week. Uh, it is called Attainable Sustainable, The Lost Art of Self-Reliant Living. And um, yeah, that, there's information about that on my website as well. Awesome. Okay, guys, and we'll, I'll have links 
for the blog post that accompanies this episode to some of the, like Chris was saying, she had written some different um, blog posts and stuff that kind of went into a little bit more depth and tutorial nature on some of the things we were talking about, like with the toilet paper and whatnot. So I'll make sure and link to all of that in the, the blog post. So you guys can go in and grab those links and find out stuff uh, more in depth as well as check out her book. So Chris, thank you so much for coming on today and uh, sharing your info. Greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm happy to have the chance to talk with you. Yes, it was super fun. Okay, guys, thank you. Hey guys, I hope that you enjoyed that as much as I did, that you learned some valuable things. And I want to thank you for hanging out with me. And so many of you guys have been recommending the podcast to people who are now looking to become more homegrown and homemade than ever before. So I really appreciate that. I feel like all of the episodes, obviously this is number 249, um, but there's such a great vast amount of information that's really going to help people in the episodes, not only the current ones, obviously the past ones too. And that's what I wanted to bring your attention to. If you haven't listened to episode number 81, it's the episode where I interview my dad. My dad was raised during the Great Depression. And what's interesting is even though he was raised during the Great Depression, it really didn't change their lifestyle that much when the Great Depression ended and he entered into his teen years and then got married and had a family of his own. And the reason I bring that up is because it's 17 self-sufficiency tips from the Great Depression. And one, it's an episode that's near and dear to my heart because obviously I'm getting to interview my dad on there. And it was questions you guys sent in. But I feel like in this time that there's a lot of great valuable information in there, but not just the tactable, tactable tips that he talks about, but the mindset. And so even though the Great Depression was a hard time and this, what we're going through right now, for some of us is a hard time. And I think it's created, even if it, even if you feel very prepared, I think it's created a minor level of stress for everybody, some a lot more than others, but I think everybody is being affected by it in one way or another. And so the reason I bring that up is because in that episode, my dad talks about that time and the way that they lived and the things that they went through, but he talks about it with a fondness and looks at and calls out a lot of the good things that still went on and still happened and that they still experienced from that time. So I really, if you haven't listened to it or it's been a long time since you listened to it, I would recommend that you go back and check that one out. Again, it'll be linked in the blog post that accompanies this episode. If So if you, you can scroll all the way back, it's there, um, or I can give you a direct link there as well. But I would really take the time to listen to that episode. I think it's going to give you a lot of insight. Um, like I said, not only on things that you can actually do and skill sets, but the mindset too. So thank you so much for hanging out with me today. And I know I am really appreciating being able to listen to podcasts um, and having a lot of these different resources. I'm diving into things and we're doing things even on a deeper level than we normally do. And I want to provide you with as much information as possible. So let me know. You can leave a review of this episode. You can shoot me an email, message me on Instagram or Facebook. But let me know what are some things that you would really like to hear more about in some podcast episodes. And I'll do my best to get some extra episodes out and to you. Some of them can be might be shorter ones, but just things that would really help you during this time and not even just during this time, but really that will help you just moving forward no matter what happens, because that's kind of my goal with self-sufficiency is, yes, we will definitely rely on those skills during times like this, but that they serve us well that no matter what happens, even when times 
are not as stressed as they are right now. So anyways, thank you guys so much. We will talk soon and I look forward to getting to chat with you even virtually and reading those reviews. And do make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast because oftentimes when I do bonus episodes, like I've been doing kind of during this time, a lot of you are on my email list. And so you get a lot of my emails and resources that way. But for the podcast bonus episodes, I don't always do a full blog post that accompanies them. Like I do the formal episodes. And so I don't always send them out of my email because if an email, if you can't read it, then I don't generally send it out. So make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss any of them. And we will talk soon. Mm-hmm.